Instagram taking away our link button on the Palestine pod page. We talked last week about the Human Rights Watch report criticizing Facebook and Instagram for its censorship of Palestinian content creators, specifically citing two instances where I had posts that were deleted for quote unquote hate speech that were then mysteriously restored due to what Instagram called a mistake. When Instagram was deleting Palestinian content, the effect was that it was restricting freedom of expression on matters of public interest. That's a direct quote from Human Rights Watch. Even when social media companies reinstate wrongly suppressed material, the error impedes the flow of information concerning human rights at critical moments. We change the conversation on Palestine from one on Tuesday to no, there's, there's apartheid here. There's war crimes happening. These social media companies are trying to find ways to quiet us and prevent us from keeping that momentum. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Laura E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada. If you've been stretching the definition of anti-Semitism to include literal terrorist attacks. Oh, do they do that this week? They do that all the time, but... Yeah, they were they were like calling settler violence is actually anti-Semitic. Oh, calling it settler violence? Yeah. You're not allowed to call it that. What are you supposed to call it? Yeah. Nothing. Don't, <laughs> Don't call it. From the <laughs> Don't gods, call I guess. It. <laughs> yeah. Actually say nothing and stay home. Yeah, exactly. There's this one Zionist called eve bartlow everybody was calling her fartlow for a while oh wait i think i and know her she she had this like she once saw a free parking sign and mm-hmm. she thought it said free palestine and it oh. triggered her and she was like the jews are tired anyways so i would just yeah. like to say that i think the definition of anti-semitism is tired right from being stretched out so much like can y'all leave the definition of anti-semitism alone it's having a it was fine it was doing its job and then y'all came in you're like actually we gotta do way more and it's like it's been working overtime doing you're doing all this extra shit Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. We also have a lot of exciting stuff happening over on Patreon. So if you love the Palestine Pod and you want to support this project, join our Patreon where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest creation that we call the Patreon Pod, which is a little more laid back and monthly Zoom happy hours with Michael and myself. So really exciting stuff. You can find us over on patreon.com slash palestinepod. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at the palestinepod. I definitely want to start with a story about Instagram taking away our link button on the Palestine Pod page. Also on your page, your page is was also informed that the link button will no longer be effective as of October 25th, which by the way, I think is like really hilarious. Or they're not like, you don't have it anymore. They're like, 
you have a week left. Like as if that's supposed to be some sort of consolation, right? Um, They said, hey, hey, you better spam it while you still got it. Yeah. What it is makes that? Me wanna, it makes me want to use it less, actually. It just makes me want to use the platform less. I know. It's just giving me such bad vibes. But that's exactly what they want. They want us to disappear from that space. And, and that's why yeah. I keep using it. That's what's so frustrating. Because I think the timing of it is so insane. I mean, we talked on the Patreon pod last week about the Human Rights Watch report that came out criticizing Facebook and Instagram for its censorship of Palestinian content creators, specifically citing two instances where I had posts that were deleted for quote unquote hate speech that were then mysteriously restored due to what Instagram called a quote mistake, right? Literally a week later, they come out and they're like, yeah, so all the same people that we've been targeting for absolutely no reason, deleting their posts, deleting their accounts, suspending features on their accounts, we're going to double down. And instead of calling for an independent investigation, which is what Human Rights Watch said they needed to be doing, investigating why their system isn't working and why it is deleting legitimate material, right? Instead of doing that, they were like, no, we're going to just take away more of your features. Is the system not working or is the system working as they've designed it? Right. Right. They designed it so that it would elevate hate speech like Zionist content and then delete liberation discussion like the freedom of Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, where do we go from here, right? Who knows? We're going to Patreon, baby. We already (laughs) set one up. Join us on patreon.com slash Palestine pod because they literally drove us underground, right? They drove us behind a wall because it's like they're so aggressive in public spaces. They will harass you. They will threaten you. They will dox you. All of this has happened to us, right? Yeah. They will intimidate you. They will send you messages daily, right? That range anything from like a Photoshopped Palestinian flag on some pornography images to like straight up death threats. Like it's not fun to be in those spaces. No. And that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Does tickle me. Yeah. How much time they spend looking at gay porn being like, we're fucking going to own the Palestinians. You know what I mean? It's all for, we're only doing it Have because we that? hate. Oh yeah. Oh really? yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah, has sent I'm, me that. I'm not, I'm trying not to be graphic, but it's, okay. yeah, it's bad. Yeah. For the, the, the tatas who listen to the, the pod, <laughs> but yeah. look, like, I think a lot of people might be like, it's just social media. Why does it matter? You know, it's not the biggest part of the fight. And I need to push back on that because what the Human Rights Watch report concluded that came out just over a week ago was that when Instagram was deleting Palestinian content, the effect was that it was restricting freedom of expression on matters of public interest. That's a direct quote from Human Rights Watch. 
And furthermore, that even when social media companies reinstate wrongly suppressed material, the error impedes the flow of information concerning human rights at critical moments. That's another direct quote. And if you want to hear more about this story, check it out on Patreon. We covered it last week. But the point here, and this is something that Professor Nora Erekat says all the time, is that when looking back at what happened in May, she says, we broke a dam. We broke through a dam. And we changed the conversation on Palestine from one on two states and, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself and, well, both sides and, you know, things of that nature to, no, there's, there's apartheid here. There's war crimes happening, settler colonialism. There's occupation. There's people who are fighting an anti-racist struggle for equal rights in Palestine, and they deserve our support. And that dam was due to the activities of people on social media, not only because this is obviously a culmination of all the efforts of years and years of work of activists, but in that moment, it was the efforts of people on the ground and in exile who were shedding light on these issues and using social media to spread this information. And so now in the aftermath, what you're seeing is these social media companies are doubling down, trying to find ways to quiet us and prevent us from keeping that momentum and continuing to spread the word about these human rights violations happening in Palestine. And that's why it's super important. That's why I take it very personally that Instagram is targeting our podcast account, targeting your account, targeting the accounts of one of one of the official Sheikh Jarrah accounts, targeting our friend Adnan Barq's account. A lot of Palestinian content creators have received the same notice, you know, that their link button will be gone as of October 25th. So it does matter. Hey, but I'm honored to be included in the list of people censored. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to say this, but like, I haven't gotten the alert yet. So like, I don't want to wait. Let, your time is coming. I don't want to let them know, you know, like, yeah. Like, Hey, did they don't forget some like, <laughs> right. But that's, what's crazy because I, had multiple posts removed, right? For absolutely no reason. And they've, they're constantly threatening me with the deletion of my account with similar alerts, like, Hey, just so you know, like your account might get deleted because you're like a serial violator. Okay. So far. I still oh, yeah. have That's it. actually, that's how Instagram says hello to me every morning. <laughs> but the Palestine pod account on Instagram had one video removed in its entire existence. So it was wrongfully removed. It did not violate any terms of service. Right. It was wrongfully removed. It's, it's still up on YouTube. It's still up on any of our, you know, it's still up on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. It's up on a number of other platforms because it violates no terms of service. Right. So what's the threshold here? Is Instagram saying that if a user has, has had one single post deleted by its system, which was exposed by Human Rights Watch, the leading human rights organization for being full of error and for being completely faulty and unable to actually capture instances of violations of the terms and services, that just one one instance of that puts you on the chopping block as somebody who needs to be deprived of your link button, which is one of the major ways that we spread information. We link to our podcast 
We link to our Patreon. We link to our full episodes. I hate to burst their bubble, but I still have the link in my bio. No? So I could just post stuff and be like, hey, link in my bio. I'm yeah, but like, honestly, don't, don't draw all. attention to that. They're going to take away the, <laughs> they're going to take away your bio. They're going to be like, starting November 4th, you that no longer will have a bio, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're just slowly taking away <laughs> parts of my page. You know what I mean? Just like until it's just my profile photo. And they're like, actually, you've got to change this too. They just, it's like, they just upload the Instagram button. I was like, damn, did my Instagram page just get colonized by Instagram? Yes. I think they just settler colonized yes. my they, whole page. The whole thing. They moved in. That's wild. Yes. They were talking about, hey, my ancestors were here thousands of years ago. You know? Yeah. They were like, God gave us this page. I don't know. It was weird. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I say follow us on Instagram, but it's like, honestly, Probably don't because we're being yeah. heavily censored. So it's like, follow us everywhere else. Like, give us a follow yeah. everywhere else. Follow Michael's TikTok. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on YouTube. Definitely. I flagged this story this week from the US envoy to the UN speaking at the UN Security Council meeting for the Middle East region, which takes place once every month. And what you've just described is the diplomatic arm of colonization. Yeah. The yeah. chambers where Western imperialist powers waltz in after having flown on like a military jet yeah. and just like prospect the land. You know what I mean? They're like, hey, we're actually going to carve up about a quarter of Syria. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, go ahead and destabilize Lebanon, get them in a good old economic crisis. You know what yeah. I mean? Perhaps throw throw a little coup with the, uh, with the royal family of Jordan, maybe. You know, who knows? We're just going to go ahead and get things cooking. Anyways, what's on your agenda, folks who are now resisting colonialism? Absolutely. Well, what's what's interesting about this is that the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., a woman by the name of Linda Thomas-Greenfield, basically used Tuesday's monthly Security Council session to essentially chastise the U.N. Security Council for, quote, disproportionately focusing on the Israel-Palestine conflict she repeated a lot of the very famous Zionist tropes that we hear all the time about, you know, the quote unquote conflict. And she said that the council spends a great deal of time on the Israel-Palestine conflict, which is both understandable and consistent with the agenda. But far too often, the substance of these discussions is centered almost entirely around criticism of Israel and counterattacks. I sincerely hope that going forward, council members will do their best to take a more balanced approach. Also, there are other countries and situations in the region that merit this Security Council's attention and should not be neglected. So here we have like the Zionist recipe for like, you know, a UN statement, basically cooked up the typical Zionist recipe for deflecting any sort of criticism from Israel's human rights violations She's like, hey, you're, you're focusing too much on Israel. Why are you singling out Israel? Why are you targeting Israel? Why are you criticizing Israel? Please, you know, you need to be more balanced. 
anytime you hear this, stop and run because the situation itself is not balanced. What's balanced about settler colonialism and, and expelling an indigenous population from their land? What's balanced about one of the most powerful militaries in the entire world against a civilian population that are literally just trying to stay in their homes and have rights and like plant their olive trees? What's balanced about that? There's nothing balanced about the crime of apartheid. So what exactly are we talking about here? Not every situation requires balance in the way that she's calling for and that these Zionists often call for. When you have a clear oppressor and a clear oppressed, there's no need to treat the oppressor in a balanced way with the oppressed because there's already an imbalance. So in order to restore the balance, you have to focus on the one who needs the help. I'm reminded of those memes illustrating the absurdity of all lives matter, you know? And it's like, I, I, I remember seeing the meme of the person drowning and like lifting their hand up for help. And then the person on shore responding, all lives matter, be balanced, all lives matter, you know? Same thing. Yeah, hey, it's a big day for their talking points, right? You usually only see that line of argumentation in like a comment section, but yes. they made it on the world stage. So yes. shouts to them. Yes, exactly. That is usually a Zionist bot comment, but now the U.S. Right. envoy. Usually faceless account, zero followers. Yes. This time, official U.S. government envoy. Yes. Same, same. It's just so hopeless and disappointing that this is the level of the discourse at you know, the diplomatic level. There's like an anti-Semitic trope that Jews own all the banks, mm -hmm. but one central bank that they do all have is that central bank of comments that they all used. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're all members. They're all clients. They all receive, you know, daily, what is it? The updates. Deposits. Where it's like, hey, <laughs> it's act.il. <laughs> yeah. The act.il app where yeah. you get to go ahead on go on missions like Pokemon Go for Zionism. Yeah. If her statements were not already depressing enough, she followed it up by calling on Hamas to end its cruel detention of two Israeli civilians. I'm just going to let that marinate for a second. Does she know how many Palestinians? Civilians, men, women, children are being held by Israel right now. Does she have any idea? She'd be like, I'll look into it. I mean, just today I posted that my friend Mohammed Burnat is still being held by Israel. We broke the story yeah. of the Burnat brothers who were kidnapped from their home in Belain. They're young adults, 18, 19, right? And one of them has since been released, Abdul Khaliq, after spending months in Zionist detention, at which point they release him without ever having filed any charges against him in their kooky, you know, military court system. And they also find yeah. him. But again, there was no charges ever brought. So but they had to they find him in order to release him and his parents. Again, 
you know, were able to raise funds to pay to the colonizers to release one of their boys. The other boy, Mohammed Burnat, is still being held. He's still being held many, many, many months later. And every couple of weeks, what the Zionists do is they postpone his court date for a few more weeks with no explanation. And so all that does is continue to arbitrarily deprive him of his freedom. No due process, no sense of humanity whatsoever, and no recourse. His parents can't do anything. All they can do is post, you know, make posts on Facebook saying his court date, you know, quote unquote court date before the military court has been postponed yet again. And he's the younger of the two brothers and he continues to be held. Okay, that's just one story out of the almost 5,000 Palestinians that Israel holds for resisting Israeli occupation. She just called on Hamas to end the cruel detention of two Israeli civilians. Okay. I bet you they're getting treated pretty good. You know? Probably better than uh, the opposite. Incidentally, there have been Israelis that were held by Hamas in Gaza who have said this very fact. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was I'm, just guessing because Palestinians no. are nicer people in general. <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm going to, I'll post a source for it. But- as much as y'all hate occupation and your occupiers, like when you have somebody in your house, like you're going to be a good host. That's just Palestinians. You might slap them around a little bit because they deserve (laughs) it, but you're going to feed them some Macluba when it comes time. Yes. Hey, I mean, if you ever needed a better example, like you wouldn't find it for, for the way that the U.S. does not value Palestinian life. Because to make a big stink about two Israeli civilians that are allegedly being held by Hamas, and to say absolutely nothing about the almost 5,000 Palestinians that are trapped in some sort of Zionist military court, administrative detention system of like, you know, that they cannot even navigate. That's actually a really good representation of how United States policy is geared towards condemning the Palestinians almost exclusively, right? Yeah. For things that the Zionists are doing in far greater scale. Yes. And never acknowledging those things. Exactly. Right. Mohammed O'Kurt, Mohammed O'Kurt today, he posted about how in protest of being held indefinitely without charge or trial, six Palestinian political prisoners in Israeli prisons are on hunger strike. Their lives are in great danger. Media, politicians, so-called human rights defenders must act fast, right? And he says, hashtag free them all in regards to political prisoners because everybody should be free. So follow the account at Large Jane. Yes. For updates on petitions to the political prisoners who are on hunger strike, that account has been doing a lot of good work raising awareness on this issue. It just kills me that this woman is a black woman too, because it's like people are still out there rah-rah for, you know, diversity in high positions. And there's nothing to celebrate when we're talking about diversity and oppression. It's just not, it's, it's, which brings us to Colin Powell. 
Oh. Ah, yes. <laughs> which he, brings he must us, be hot now. Which brings us to Colin he Powell. Must. The Zionists have been mourning the passing of Colin Powell, who, as you know, was the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff during the Gulf War and then later Secretary of State during the lead up to the Iraq War, who died earlier this week at the age of 84 from COVID-related uh, complications. U.S. settler and Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett said, we mourn the passing of Colin Powell, a great American patriot and a great friend of Israel. Yeah, Colin Powell is a huge asset to the Zionists because he lied on the world stage at the UN about vials, right? There was that huge, like photo op of him holding a vial and being like Iraq has weapons of mass destruction that type beat and the Zionist lobby has said that getting the United States to invade and occupy Iraq was one of its greatest successes that year they they bragged about it because they knew it would be a part of the greater Israel strategy to destabilize the entirety of the region so that they could control the resources, get more footholds as far as land is concerned, and just generally destabilize any place that could pose a threat to them, right? The Saddam regime, the Muammar Gaddafi regime, the any, any strong leader who was interested in nationalizing their own resources. That's a big no-no for the CIA, for, you know, anybody working the Zionist project. Yeah. You want to control your own resources? No, thank you. And that goes back way far back, right, to even like... Iran in the 50s, Mossadegh did nationalize the oil industry. The British and the Americans were like, nah, we go Merkia. Uh, you wrote about that, right? That was in your article. Yeah. yeah. If you want to read, I have a sub stack where I, I randomly write about the empire. You know what, guys? You might know Michael as co-host of this show or as a comedian that does stand up all over the country and in Canada too. But he's actually a very excellent writer about issues of politics, empire, occupation, US foreign intervention. I had the pleasure of reading one of his articles and I was seriously blown away. Like you should write more, but we're Thanks. gonna link to all Thank of that. You. This article was just posted that so-called philanthropist Michael Levin donated to the Canary Mission, which is obviously a blacklist. The revelation makes him the third major American Jewish funder associated with the project. He is known as a hospitality executive who's served on the boards of major Jewish organizations and he made his customary series of donations to American Jewish organizations, $125,000 to Birthright Israel, 
hey, is there a an organization that needs money more than Birthright Israel? Right? Oh man, they're they're probably starving over there. Anyways, seventy five thousand dollars to Hillel chapters in Georgia and Pennsylvania, seventy thousand to the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, and tens of thousands more to other groups. But alongside those gifts to some of the most respected organizations in the American Jewish community, this is straight out of an article of Jewish Currents, obviously, I would never speak like this, found in a review of Levin's Foundation's tax records, they're going through this man's taxes? They are nosy, huh? Let's let's do it. Panama Papers? was Was a donation of a different nature. See, even Jewish Currents is like, hold up, y'all are funding Canary Mission? And what he did is he gave $50,000 in a grant to Canary Mission. Jewish Currents describes Canary Mission as the controversial website that targets supporters of Palestinian rights and which many Palestinian rights advocates describe as a shadowy blacklist that chills free speech and encourages social media harassment. I like how they buttressed what it actually is with Palestinian bodies. They were like, let me go ahead and put an actual Palestinian in between me and saying what this thing is. Right. I also like how they were like, it's controversial because they support Palestinian rights. Like, Palestinians yes. shouldn't have rights. That's that's the that's the implicit statement. That's the controversy. <laughs> that's the controversy. It's like they shouldn't have rights. So are we people, the drama? I don't. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't think we're the drama. <laughs> these people believe they should have rights. That's a problem. Like, thank you for exposing yeah. the issue. You know. Yeah, I actually like this Jewish Currents article because it says Canary Mission is a deliberately opaque organization. It is anonymously run, although that's not true. I know the person who runs it, but I'm not going to say their name because they are insane. I love that it's a woman. Yeah, hey, girl boss. Yeah, gender equality, you know. Honestly, some of the the scariest scientists are women. Like... Men will pull the trigger, but the Zionist women are the ones online delivering the message, and it's terrifying. Yeah, because they do they they do the weaponization of white woman tears. Yes, but for Zionism, right? Yes. And they also manipulate Holocaust trauma in the process. Yes, because and some of them actually have grandparents who were in the Holocaust, so it's like definitely sympathetic to that but your grandparents didn't die in the Holocaust so that you could perpetuate another genocide on Palestinians. There are ample Holocaust survivors like Dr. Gabor Mate, Hedy Epstein. There are ample people who have survived the Holocaust who describe these atrocities in similar light and they would not want it done again to anyone else. Anyways, the Canary Mission is a deliberately opaque organization. It is anonymously run, allegedly, with no staff or funding information listed on its website. 
because it is not a registered nonprofit in the United States, most of its funders retain their anonymity, shielding them from accountability for backing a student blacklist. But in recent years, reporting in The Forward has exposed some of the group's funders by uncovering links between Canary Mission and an equally opaque Israeli nonprofit called Megamot Shalom. Adding an additional layer of obfuscation, the known donations to Canary Mission through Megamot Shalom, including Levins, were first sent to the Central Fund of Israel, a New York-based nonprofit that serves as a pass-through for donations to organizations serving Israeli settlements in the West Bank and other right-wing Israel advocacy organizations. Launched in 2015, Canary Mission has compiled thousands of profiles of Palestinian rights supporters, most of them students and professors who have participated in Palestinian solidarity activism on American campuses. The profiles include photos of activists, screenshots from their social media, and documentation of protests and events they attended, as well as direct hyperlinks to their social media accounts and workplaces. So sometimes the profiles document obviously anti-Semitic utterances, such as one Facebook user's assertion that, quote, Jews have manipulated the U.S. into murdering the innocent. But frequently, the profiles criticize people for engaging in Palestinian rights organizing, like campus boycott, divestment, and sanction campaigns that, would, that, that quote, many would argue are not in and of itself anti-Semitic. I think anybody would argue that if it's they're being honest. Being featured on the Canary Mission can prompt significant real-world consequences. The FBI has cited Canary Mission profiles in interrogations of American activists. Palestinian and Arab American activists can face especially harsh repercussion if they appear on Canary Mission. Israeli border agents have used profiles on the site as a reason to deny Palestinian Americans entry into Palestine, curtailing their ability to visit family. This past May, Canary Mission was used to help fuel a smear campaign against Emily Wilder, who was fired from her position as an Associated Press news fellow after stories of her college Palestinian-related activism drawing from her Canary Mission profile ran in conservative outlets, the Washington Free Beacon and Fox News. There's, this is a good article. I'm not going to continue to read from it, but check it out. It's on Jewish Currents. It's, it's a pretty fair article about Canary Mission. Yeah, Canary Mission is basically like, you say like they do the work for you. They did the work for us. Like we have like a great directory now of people involved in Palestinian solidarity work. So thanks Canary Mission. Honestly, when we were hiring a part-time researcher for this show, I saw yes. that one of our candidates was on Canary Mission. I got so excited. I was like, that's yes. putting them to the top of the list for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. It was like, okay. And, you know, we all know how Michael is really upset that he's not on Canary Mission. So you guys have heard that before. On there. <laughs> what are y'all doing? <laughs> y'all are so, how have you taken away my link button before I'm on Canary Mission? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Shout out to Nora Barrows Friedman, yeah. one of the pod alumni. 
right? The early pods. Yeah. She is on the, it's like yeah. the original version of the Canary Mission. It predates the Canary Mission. And it had like more in-depth bios and stuff about people's activities surrounding organizing for Palestinians. She's, she said it on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to her for being an OG in the game. You know what I'm saying? Paving the way for anti-Zionist Jews like myself. Yes. We've been, we've been linked arm in arm with Palestinians for generations fighting the apartheid state with side by side. Yeah. And they want you to believe that uh, these relationships don't exist. Right. They want you to think that the relationship that Lara and I have cultivated on this podcast is unique, right? Is something totally brand new and like there's no historical evidence of relationships like these that are based on a common understanding, a mutual respect, and a desire for liberated peoples. Man, it must really suck to be them. Oh, I think about it every day, how it's <sighs> Seriously. like they have to wake up and be they vacillate between like we should commit mass genocide once again. And also it never happened. And like how confusing yeah. that is for one's psyche yes. to have to constantly like vacillate between lies and murderous intent. That's literally their range. It's a lot. Yeah, it's gotta be it's, tough on theirs. No wonder they're all so stressed out, you know? It's a lot, yeah. And you can tell that they, they can tell that they're losing grasp on people's attention. like because the message is shifting, because the way people are talking about them now, because of the way that people are boycotting their businesses, they are feeling the pressure of Palestinian liberation and it's scaring them. They're getting ever more desperate in their attempts using the exact same tricks. It's not like they're changing anything. They're just doubling down on being desperate. And you can smell it. You know, you can smell desperation. Yeah. I just, I, mean, can't, I just can't wait for them all to come crashing down. I feel like I feel it. It's coming. Yeah. I. You know, it's interesting. There's two other stories that caught my attention this week that are sort of related. So one is that the Times of Israel reported that Israel authorized 3,000 additional entry permits for Gaza workers bringing the total number of recently announced permits to 10,000. So this means that basically they're going to allow more Palestinian workers to enter 48 territories, AKA Israel from Gaza, right? They say that they have to maintain the siege for security reasons, but then they go ahead and allow Palestinians to come into Israel for work and then go back to their prison in the evening. But that story, when I saw that, combined with another story about Israel approving West Bank residency for 4,000 undocumented, quote unquote, Palestinians, made me think that they're trying right now to put out some sort of damage control. Like they're trying to do damage control, right? For May. They're trying to put out some PR pieces, say, no, 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 look, we're, we're letting 3000 workers from Gaza come into Israel. 
the siege isn't so bad after all, you know, look at us, we're improving economic conditions for these 3000 people. Or no, look, we, we're not just building settlements that are illegal for, you know, Jewish settlers from India or, you know, God knows where, you know, the newly discovered Jews thing that I posted the other day about how they're, you know, bring in planes and planes of allegedly newly discovered Jewish communities over to Israel to colonize. No, no, we're not just doing that, but we're also approving residency for, for, for Palestinians who are undocumented. And it's like, it's, I hope nobody is fooled. I hope no one is fooled because the whole premise is backwards and upside down. For those individuals from Gaza who are recently given these permits to be able to go into 48 to work, guess what? Most of them are from there. Most of them, their families were kicked out of those very cities during the Nakba. So why do they even need permission from the apartheid state to be able to go to their land, which they are being deprived of in violation of international law? As for the Palestinians in the West Bank who are quote unquote undocumented, that doesn't even make sense because they're on their land. It's not our fault that a sovereign state was set up on our land that decided we were undocumented and then started importing people from all over the world and, and giving them documents instead of us. You see that? that bag of passports that yes. they had. Yes. Just, it just shows you it's all made up. They just made up those passports for people who were recently converted to Judaism, right? You can get citizenship in, in 48 hours. If you're a Jew that arrives in Israel from anywhere, you can get, you can get a passport in 48 hours. And if you're a Palestinian yeah, they, that's been there for generations, you have no status in many cases. If you're in the West Bank, you've got no status. If you're in Jerusalem, you have a different status. And now some more people have been given status. But again, it's all at the whim of the settler colony who has decided that the native people of the land are undocumented according to it because it's the one that issues the documents that matter. Yeah, undocumented. That's such a wild term for them to use. Un documented it's like they probably have the deed to their house is that a document that you'd look no. at oh no that's you're not interested in in that the the one that says they own the plot of land from generations ago that's not interesting to you that they could find their like details and ownership they could trace it back to like the ottoman empire that doesn't interest you at all oh, okay those records are not of interest those documents are not documents no those are different documents. Hey, but you know, <laughs> you know what document is is uh, really like official is the one that was just created like seventy plus years ago out of thin air. Right. Exactly. It's those backwards. documents. Yeah. No, no, those documents are different, right? Because they were. Fill me in. You know, what I mean, who knows? Those. Are, why? Why are those documents? Oh wait, they're not right. If anything, they're less legitimate than the documents that came before them. Usually preceding document. I don't know. You're the lawyer. You're the lawyer. I'm the Jew. Anyways, usually in a court of law, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the precedent, the case that comes before is usually used to cite the document that is created after. No? Yeah, in a sense, right? So we would give deference to, for example, if we're dealing with a dispute, 
we would give deference to documents that were issued contemporaneously at the time of the dispute. And we would be very wary of any documents that were issued, for example, for the purpose of litigation. You know, when, when you're already like, you know that you're gonna take this thing to court. We look back at what happened in the party's dealings and that is given more weight than anything or any explanation or justification that suddenly comes out when you're, you know, before a court. Absolutely. I mean, the precedent, the concept of precedent, the concept of we're going to decide similar cases similarly by looking back at what courts have previously decided, yes, relies on this notion that what's happened in the past is important and we should look to it and mirror it lest there's a reason to depart from the previous reasoning. These are all concepts, right, that 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 contain in them this idea that, you know, what happened in the past does matter. And that you can't just show up today and say, I am the one who issues the only relevant documents and abrogates and, it, and totally erase thousands of years of history. It just doesn't work like that. And let's be clear, right? The All of these documents, every single constitution is all based on the original doctrine of discovery that basically said that anybody who was a speculator, anybody who was a prospector, anybody who was a so-called, you know, land settler would just be able to take the land and set up shop there. And in doing so, they of course murdered, genocided indigenous populations, destroyed ecosystems, destroyed animal ecosystems, and then set up these states, right? These settler colonial states, which we all live in today and continued to amass laws based on that original flawed document. It's all a lie. It's all built on a lie. And, and there were people here before and you can't discover something where people were already here. That just, it's, it's backwards and upside down. It's the same thing as the Israeli settler colony. It's the same thing. So keep your eye out. Think. I'm going to put out a call here to keep your eye out on some attempted PR to sort of remedy Israel's image in the aftermath of the May assaults, because I'm seeing a couple of these stories pop up where it's like, no, no, look, you know, we're providing relief to the Palestinians. And again, it's not addressing the, the, the elephant in the room, the issue at hand, which we all know is settler colonialism, ethnic cleansing, so on and so forth. So that has been another episode of the Palestine pod. Thank you all so much for listening. We so appreciate you. Go ahead and follow us on YouTube, YouTube, the Palestine pod, and also follow us on Instagram for the time being at <laughs> the Palestine pod until our account gets entirely nuked i don't know <laughs> and also if you want to check out our sources go to www.palestinepod.com please join us on patreon at patreon.com slash palestine pod y'all that has been another episode of the palestine pod thank you all so much have a great day this is the palestine pod Blah, 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 blah. Are you hearing me? I hear you now, but like when you're talking, it freezes. But when you're just saying blah, blah, it's clear as day.
Yeah. Yes, blah, 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 blah. Colin Powell acted as a huge <laughs> asset. Also, my dog is sick. Philo has a cold. Word. <clears throat> wow. Wild. He has a cold. I have a cold. We got the cold at the same time. I took him to the vet today. She was like, ma'am, you're that that's not a thing. Like you can't infect each other across, you know, mammalian. Isn't that breeds. how coronavirus started? And I was that's what I said. <laughs> I was like, wait, you can't? I thought you could. She was Yo, like, no. Somebody tell it. Somebody tell it to that bat. You know I what like, I mean? I was like, like, I need a new vet for Philo. And then she made me mm, spend 300 yeah. euros on medication. I feel like I got played. I don't know. You got ripped off. Yeah, well, you just described it as being <laughs> ripped off. Yeah. Uh, She's like, ma'am, nothing is wrong with your dog. Also, here's medication. Be a little... And then we can talk about Colin Powell. Snip, I'd snip. Fucking... Jews were pretty good at snip, snip. That's what we do uh, yep. from the very from the get-go patreon.com slash the post no I, I don't know why i think it's the we really need to be consistent you can find us over the only on, one is is instagram right yeah and they're about to delete us so yeah so it's fine <laughs>